Hello. Welcome to Simply Saltos, the podcast where it is called Gymnastics. I'm Katie. And I'm Talia. If you haven't already checked it out, we've uploaded our introductory episode called Welcome to Simply Saltos. It's about 10 minutes long and it talks about us and why we decided to start this podcast. So yeah, be sure to head over to simplysaltos.com while you're listening now or afterwards to find videos and gifs to go along with each skill we discuss, as well as full transcripts for each episode. And I can see Katie is ready. I, I love you, but people are gonna people are gonna come at you for the way you say gif. I say gif. She says gif. Life goes on. <laughs> okay, tomato, tomato. I'm just saying you you were warned. I'm just saying. Oh God. Okay. I'm, okay. I, I'm not gonna. Ch- I can't change. I know. Just, you were warned. (laughs) Okay. To kickstart our podcast, we want to quickly explain our name, Simply Saltos. So what exactly is a salto and why is it significant to the sport? So yeah, a salto is officially defined as an acrobatic movement where the body makes a complete rotation. So at least 360 degrees around the axis of the waist or the hips and the feet come over the head in some sort of Uh, in some direction of some way. Saltos can be done in the forward direction, backward, or sideways. They can be performed as a mount onto an apparatus, a dismount from the apparatus, or even during a routine. They can be in the tucked, piked, or laid out position, and we'll discuss those more later. They're also called flips, somersaults, or summies for short. Saltos can come in singles, doubles, or even triples, but those are like mostly only seen in men's and it's always terrifying to watch. Yeah, really. So in simple terms, a salto is an unsupported flip. And these airborne flips form the basis of pretty much all of gymnastics. The definition is hazy for some, but we like to think of it like this. If they use their hands in the middle of the flip, it's probably not a salto. If their feet move completely over their axis of rotation without any support during the flight, it's probably a salto. So like I said before, saltos can be forward, backward, or sideways. The difference between forwards and backwards can be really obvious in some skills and super difficult to tell in others. So try to follow the gymnast's face if you can. Their face will be moving forward if it's a forward and it will be moving towards the back of their head and they'll be like looking up behind their head if they're moving backwards. Right. Uh, So some skills that you can look up, uh, you can also find these on our website that are saltos. Unvault, the handspring front tuck. Unbars, a Jaeger or a Ganger. Uh, which is a single bar release, or a double tuck dismount, and then on beam, a full twisting backflip, and on floor, a double layout. Just some examples. Some skills that are not considered saltos, but do have a flip, would be on vault, a handspring double full, on bars, a Tkachev or a giant, those aren't flips, but those would not be saltos either, on beam, an anodi or an illusion turn, both of those, like the gymnast does flip around, but they're not considered saltos. And on floor, a round off or back handspring. Both of those, the gymnast flips, but they use their arms as a support in the middle. So it's not a salto. Right. Um, again, examples of all of these skills that we've mentioned are available on our website, simplysaltos.com, if you'd like to check those out. Visual examples are always helpful. Always. So before we get any further, I also want to go a little bit into the etymology of the word salto. Go for it. You're the expert here. I'm just along for the ride. Expert in what? I don't know, just like knowing way more about the technical side of all of this than I do. Or honestly, it's probably just being better at researching and like not giving up. Yeah, that's probably what it is because I'm not an expert in gymnastics or in etymology. I just like care. So <laughs> I just 
I researched it. So yeah, this is definitely the hardest part of the script to write um, that I actually managed to find an answer for. <laughs> from what I've gathered, the word somersault comes from two Latin roots. Supra, meaning over, got turned into summer by way of France, so thanks France for that. Saltus, meaning jump, was turned into salt or salto. So as far as etymology goes, a somersault is just a jump over. Salto is just another form of the Latin root for saltus. It's not exactly clear why, but it might just be that gymnastics developed the use of the word salto to save time over somersault. Yeah, I'm going to trust you on that one. Latin is not my strong suit. I, I, again, I never said it was mine. <laughs> uh, but nowadays, salto is used as shorthand for a freehand flip. And it's sometimes tacked onto the end of skill names. So for example, there's the Thomas Salto, which is a floor scale that was named after the legend Kurt Thomas that is now banned. A pack Salto, which is one of the best high to low bar transitions on uneven bars. If not or, the best. Yes, exactly. Or, well, the only thing that might top it for me is a full twisting pack Salto. See, I knew you were going to say that, but like, those aren't as pretty. But, well, they, if they're done really well, but, like, even, like, the best have a little bit of form error, so that always, like, detracts from, like, a perfect pack salto to, for me. Peng Peng Lee has entered the chat. The catch angle, though. <gasps> okay, <laughs> we'll have this conversation. We'll, we'll discuss it, I guess. Other examples are a front salto, what you're probably going to hear it more often referred to as a front toss on beam. Which is also another one of my personal favorites that you see in NCAA pretty often. Yeah, it's kind of like the back or the opposite of a backflip. So right. instead of doing a backflip, they just go forward, and you have to do a little bit of a running start into it. And I don't know how the people on beam manage to do that at all, yeah. let alone on a four-inch beam. Yeah, absolutely. Editing Katie here. So there are actually different kinds of front saltos on beam. One of them is a front toss, which is also called a front kickover. But what Talia just described is actually a punch front, not a front toss. Check out our website for more examples. So, all right, now that we know what a salto is, let's quickly talk about why we decided to call this podcast Simply Saltos. Well, really, Talia came up with the name. It was the first thing you suggested, but I'm a fool and I didn't listen. So, Talia... Tell me, um, how did you come up with it? Well, first of all, you're not a fool. It was just the first <laughs> thing that came to mind, and we couldn't think of anything better. But the way I came up with it was I really like alliteration, so I was trying to think of ways to alliterate gymnastics words with something like easy or simple or something like that, and simple salto, simply saltos just came to mind. Like, simple saltos actually came first, and I was like, that's dumb. So then I was like, simply saltos. <laughs> And that's what I shared with Katie. But yeah, I felt like that rolled off the tongue and it also perfectly summed up the kind of podcast that we were hoping to make. Right. Yeah. Before we even came up with a name, which took a long time, actually, we went back and forth on names for a hot second. We talked a lot about making this podcast a resource for fans of all knowledge levels, especially newer fans who want to understand the sport better. I know that it took both of us a lot of time and trial and error, deep research, and honestly, even being shamed for not knowing more by more seasoned fans who thought the sport is incredibly easy to understand and that we were just, I don't know, stupid or bad fans, I guess. Um, but I do know that I hated it. Yeah, I did too, because there was just so much in-group bias and confirmation bias rampant throughout the community. It felt like everyone else knew the ins and outs of the sport, and to everyone else it seemed really simple. But, you know, there's a really steep learning curve that comes with enjoying this sport, and it's not simple 
at first, not at all. And we just wanted to make this a place where it, it can be simple for people so they can start to enjoy the sport without it feeling like it's inaccessible to them in any way. Exactly. So we are breaking down Salto's simply. Blech. Yeah, no, gross, gross. I hated even saying that. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> Quick note about our tagline, though, which is where it is called gymnastics. Uh, there's a quote in the iconic movie, Stick It, which is the best gymnastics movie. Yes, I said that. Don't at me. Which is spoken by Joanne, the queen of incomprehensible insults, saying it's not called gymnastics because she was being nasty. Yeah, we here at Simply Saltos want gymnastics to be as nice and as accessible as possible because it's quite rude everywhere else. Yeah, it really is, sadly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the tagline was my idea. Woo! Yes, it was. And so that's teamwork for you right there. I mean, the name of the podcast was my idea and the tagline was your idea. And you do the editing, and I do the transcription, and we both write. So Yep. And you're really good at making GIFs, that too. Oh, yeah, because it's so hard to plug things into multiple websites. It really is. Ugh. It's time-consuming. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's talk about the different kinds of saltos possible. There are essentially three main body forms that a gymnast will be in when they're performing a salto. The first is the tucked position. The gymnast's hips and knees are both bent at at least a 90 degree angle, but that can vary between gymnasts. They are also usually grabbing their knees or thighs, unless they're twisting, in which case their arms are usually crossed on their chest in order to get that twist. Some people have like a more open tuck, so it's just about 90 degrees at both their hips and their knees, so there's a lot of space between their knees and their chest. Chelsea Memel has a fairly open tuck, and McKenna Kelly has a beautiful open tuck as well. Yeah, McKenna's is really beautiful. Uh, we'll have a video of that on the website as well, but anytime anyone ever talks about open tucks, I always think about McKenna's, because it's just the arms out to the side. Oh, it's in the way Kathy Johnson Clark is like, open! Oh, it's so good. And the way she just like flares her arms out, like she's just like, I'm good. It's It, it looks like one of those like easy dismounts people make when they're just like right. doing a timer. Yeah, and I think she does it on a full twisting double too, right? Isn't it a full, full twisting double back? I don't remember. I guess we'll have to look later, but like it might be. And if it is, that's even more insane. Yeah, absolutely. That she just has so much time in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, Simone Biles is a good example of a really close tuck. She has her knees like packed into her chest. Her um, hips are just at a super closed angle and everything like that. And that allows her to rotate as quickly as she does. And I'll explain a lot more of that in a bit. So the op open versus closed tuck position, that's really down to the preference of the gymnast and also the skill that they're doing. But generally, like I said, a tighter tuck means faster rotation. So in general, tucks are the easiest salto to perform as you don't need to clear your full height in order to make that full rotation. Right. And a tuck position is the kind of backflip that you see non-gymnasts usually do if they're strong enough. When like most people think about a backflip, they think about a tucked backflip. Yeah. And one of these days, I'm going to be one of those people who can do a backflip. I promise. I don't know when, but I'm going to do it. You know, I'd like to think that I'd be able to do that, but my joints are like, <laughs> no. Yeah, see, you don't need a wrist for a backflip, and that's all I really have to worry about. But see, you need ankles and knees and a back. <laughs> I might have been, like, out of commission since, like, I don't know, 2012. Yeah, you do need a back for a backflip. Okay, the second body position is a piked position. In a pike position, the gymnast is bent completely at their hips, 
but their knees are completely straight. So imagine you are sitting on the floor with your legs together in front of you, bending over so your chest touches your thighs like a hamstring stretch. Gymnasts typically grab the backs of their thighs when they're in a pike position. Their toes are supposed to be pointed, supposed to being the key word. But well, sadly, that doesn't always happen. Uh, But pikes are my personal favorite position. And they're my least favorite. Really? Yeah, I think they're so ugly. Even if they're done really well, I just, I don't know. Not a big fan. I just, I I just think it's, they just always look awkward to me. That's so shocking to me. Yeah. They always look like they're like scooting around. Like, dee, 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 like, like grabbing their thighs, just like, like it's, I don't know, it's just like, it, you know, like when someone talks about like going by the seat of their pants or like, yeah, you think of that when you you think of pikes and you think of that saying, I think of someone like, I think of a pike position when someone says that. Damn, man. Damn. Drag a pike. Why don't you? I don't know. Maybe if people did it better. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> yeah. There are some gymnasts who have more open pike positions, like the absolute legend Kennedy Baker when she performed her piked double Arabian, which is also called a Dos Santos one. Or Michaela Maroney on bars, she had a really open piked ganger. Yeah, so open pikes or closed pikes, just the hip angle while their legs are still straight. Either way, this seems like the most difficult position to me. Like, it's just like the most awkward to me. But physics says that it's between tucks and layouts due to angular momentum. Yeah, again, I'm going to default to you, the sciencey one of us two, because I don't understand physics. I'm going to pretend like physics is the science that I'm good at, which it's not, and I'm going to go on a quick little side note just to explain this whole why each um, why each position is easier or harder to perform. There's something in physics when talking about rotation called angular momentum, which is just like the momentum of a spin or a rotation. And there's also the moment of inertia. All you need to know is that the moment of inertia gets smaller when something of the same weight or mass gets smaller in the size or like the amount of space that they take up. Angular momentum has to stay the same due to the laws of physics. So if the moment of inertia gets smaller, the rotation has to get faster in order to conserve that momentum. So in practical terms, if a gymnast is going a certain speed when they take off in the air, they have to maintain the momentum that that creates. And in a tuck position, they become less than half their size in space. So in order to make up for that change in size, the rotation is faster. In the pike position, they're spinning around the length of how long their legs are. So the rotation is a little slower than a tuck, but faster than a layout. In a layout position, they're, they're not changing their moment of inertia at all. So their speed of the rotation is the same regardless of if they're um, doing a a flip or a salto or not, basically. Does that make sense? Katie, you tell me. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It it relates directly to why it's more common to have more twists on tucked skills than it is on piked or laid out skills. Um, It's more common to see a tucked double-double than a laid out double-double. Right, because we're talking about momentum and speed and stuff. And if they are losing momentum... While, because twisting makes you lose momentum, it just slows you down already, just like because of like friction and stuff and other physics, it's not this. They, they just add more and more just so that a gymnast isn't in the air for as long. And then they're unable to do as much unless they're doing it 
more technically perfect and quickly. And also, if you're just like, hey, I didn't come here for a physics lesson, sorry. I don't care. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, um, there also might occasionally be bio lessons in this podcast because uh, Taya over here is going to be a doctor one day. Don't say it like that, because what if I don't? I believe in you. Oh, thank you. Well, at least Katie believes in me, because right now I'm not too sure. I believe in you. I have utter faith in you. Thank you. But yeah, if we ever want to talk about the biomechanics of gymnastics, I'm your gal. Yeah, we're definitely going to have a at least one episode about injuries in gymnastics and about how catastrophic they are. Health. And health, yes. Injuries and health, yes. That's definitely something that we're going to talk about, but we just don't know when. So stay tuned for that. The third position that the body can be in is called a laid out position. And the gymnast is flipping in a standing up position, guys. Okay? Standing up. Chest up. They're standing up and they're flipping over their head. Their chest is up. Their shoulders, hips, knees all open and straight. And done well, the gymnast looks like they are flying. This is considered the hardest salto position because they have to have sufficient air and height to clear the entire length of their body. There are many deductions in laid out positions. Um, they come from bends in the hips, bends in the knees. And again, you can add twists to laid out saltos, but it's even more difficult to keep your legs, hips, and knees straight and unbent when you add the twists. Layouts are also commonly referred to just as lays, as in a double lay, which would be a double layout, and also commonly abbreviated to LO, as in DLO, which is also a double layout. Abbreviations like this are super common on the Gymtronet, so we're going to try to include them as much as possible so that if you see something like DLO or LOSO, which means a layout step out, which means that the feet land not together but separately, that when you see things like that, you know what they mean. Yeah, layouts are my favorite. I think that the gymnast looks most like a superhero, like Katie said, most like they're flying when they're doing a layout. Yeah, the only one that I would say they look more like a superhero is a pack salto but again those are also laid out exactly they just look so amazing especially when it's just perfect form they have their entire body like open or even like their back is arched a little bit it's just right. it's mesmerizing um layouts are also chelsea memel's favorites i believe she talks a lot about how much she likes flying during them a lot in her youtube videos and just how she wants everyone to try a double layout so they can say they know how that feels her laid out double Arabians, which would be a half twist at the beginning of the salto, are also to die for the best execution I've ever seen. Yeah, hers are really beautiful. Um, if I was ever granted the ability to do a single skill in gymnastics, probably will never happen. But if it was to happen, I would choose a double A because it looks so incredibly fun. And seeing it happen in person, every time I've seen one in person is absolutely jaw dropping. And most gymnasts or retired gymnasts when they're asked questions like what do you miss the most like they usually say something along the lines of I wish I could just do a double layout again because they just want to feel like they're flying again that's just right. when it's just when you feel best like if I could just have one double layout in my life like even if I was just hooked, hooked up onto one of those like hip things where they flipped me in the air that's enough the harness yeah that's exactly yeah, what same, I would do for sure then I can then I can die in peace. Absolutely. That's that's really it. A backflip for me is like technically possible, but I know that I'll never get to do a double layout without a genie's help. So now that we know how the body position can differ in different saltos, how about when there's more than one flip? 
Or more than one twist. Or both? (laughs) Finally, things like Simone Biles' triple-double that you saw all over the news, or phrases like a half-in, half-out, double-tuck, whatever that means, or triple-full, or whatever, will hopefully become a little bit more clear after this segment. Uh, Counting flips is definitely easier than counting twists. Flips are how many times the gymnast rotates around the axis of their hips. A single can be as simple as a backflip, but you can also have a double or even triple saltos, like we said. Uh, But double and triples can't really be done from standing. Well, unless you're someone vials at one time, she did a standing double back and training into like one of those pits and she just like posted. It was a while ago, though. Yeah, it was wild. She's the absolute goat, honestly, like just chef's kiss incredible. Um, And if you do really want to try and see some standing double backs... If you just, like, YouTube standing double back tuck, there's compilations of them, and they're wild. Wild. They're insane, but, like, you're never going to see it in a gymnastics competition because they're basically landing on the floor. There's no control. They're falling half the time. It's super dangerous. It's it's mostly just like, look, I, I did it. That's kind of what it's for. Exactly. Exactly. But a single salto can be done just with a good jump. But folks who aren't Simone need a running start with a round off and or a handspring either front or back to build enough speed and momentum in order to get a good more than a single right so twists in gymnastics are when a gymnast turns around the axis of their spine not the axis of their hips which is what a flip is so kind of think of it like turning on one foot like a pirouette for our dancers if you will yeah so instead of turning on one foot on the floor like a ballerina you're in the air just want to add Counting twists sucks. It's the worst. It's awful. That's why slow-mo is our best friend. Like, I could watch a video three times, and someone will be like, that's a triple, that's a single, that's a double. And, like, you're not quite sure. You're just, you're never sure until you slow it down. Yeah, there have been a few times where I've seen videos of people doing triples or doubles, and I genuinely think that they are a whole twist less than they are because it's so hard to count them when they're twisting that fast. Yeah, like you sent me a video of Connor McLean doing um, a pass on floor. We're not quite sure if it was a double or a triple, but she posted that it was an upgrade, so we're assuming it's a triple. Yeah. But it, she was just twisting so fast, it was impossible to tell. Like, yeah. you, I can barely tell the difference between Simone's triple and her double unless it's slowed down because it, it she's, she's just twisting so fast. Yeah, exactly. So... Blinking you miss it really applies to this concept of twisting because they are that hard to count and they do happen that fast. And what makes matters worse is that sometimes twists are notated in fractions instead of normal numbers like we're used to. So that that takes a lot of getting used to when you see something like five over two <laughs> twists and you're like, what? So twists are counted in halves and that's why you see it like that. So if a gymnast lands in the opposite direction that they took off from, a multiple of half twists were performed. And if they land in the same direction, a whole number of twists were performed. Yeah, so going off of that, let's talk about notation a little bit, because I know this is something that confused the heck out of me when I started, and honestly sometimes still does. Twists are counted in halves, so they're also written this way. Well, sort of written this way. In official notation, twists are written as a fraction. So for multiple whole twists, the denominator, or the number on the bottom of the fraction, is one. But for multiple half twists, the denominator is two. And the numerator, or the number on the top of the fraction, shows how many twists were performed. So for example, if somebody does two full twists, it's written as two slash one, 
or two over one, two twists. If they do a two and a half, it's written as five slash two or five over two. Five divided by two equals two and a half. So it's the right number of twists. It's just incredibly confusing. Do we know why they do it this way? Nope, not at all. Yeah, honestly, it's probably some leftover formality or something. I don't really know. But uh, if you do know why they notate twists like this, please reach out to us because we have some serious questions. Yeah, I, I used to think that it was like the number of twists over the number of saltos. So I thought like a triple double would be like a three over two, but that's right. not it. That's a one and yeah. a half. Yeah, exactly. That's a really common uh, mistake for new fans. And again, that's what I, when I mess up counting with fractions, that's how my brain sees it. I have to remind my brain to say, nope, that's halves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a three and a half is a seven over two. Right. Yeah. So Leanne Wong does a seven over two twist and I'm like, I, why? Who, right. Who, who wants it like this? Right. If you get more into the gymtronet, the online gymnastics fandom, you'll notice that there are some people who almost exclusively still use the fraction notation when they're tweeting or posting about it. And there are some people who use both. And then there are some people who only use halves. Um, I really only use halves because I don't want to confuse anybody else. But there are some people who still really use the fraction notation system. If I'm trying to be official, like if I'm trying to calculate up a D score or something, a difficulty score or something like that, and I need to write down what skill it is, sometimes I'll write 1-1 one, one, or like 2-1 or something like that just because it's easier and faster. But usually right. if I'm like just tweeting, like I'll write 2.5, I'm not going to write a 5-2 because yeah. it, it doesn't sound as colloquial. So I guess it depends on like how official I'm talking to. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so take Simone Biles' newest eponymous skill on floor called the Biles 2. She does a round half to back handspring, and those are just to build momentum. And then the actual skill is called a triple double, and she's in the tuck position. And from the back handspring, she punches or pushes off from the floor with her feet and does a tucked double salto with three twists. So the fraction notation to be three over one and it's a double salto. So most people on floor can't even do a double. A double double. Most people can't yep. even do a double double, which is also called a syllabus. Um, Simone's like, you know, I, I had so much time in the air. I could make tea. I could meet with friends. I could have a little snack. <laughs> so I'm just going to add an extra twist in there. So she added a triple double. A couple people, I think Jade Carey, Michaela Skinner, possibly Connor McLean, they're um, training them. No one else has competed it yet. Few men have, um, but even then, like I, I feel like her execution is better. Yeah, her execution is really great, and oh, only a few men have competed it. And I think Kenzo Shirai is the one that comes to mind um, most prominently, and he does yeah. his laid out, so it's it's a little bit different um, and a little but, bit more difficult. Yeah, but Michaela Skinner, I think, is training the triple double as a dismount off bars. Yeah, that one I. I'm excited to see that one. Right, which if she competes it in international competition, it would be named after her. So um, we'll also talk about that at some point on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of different ways that people talk about Simone's skills, especially this one on floor. So you'll hear it as the Biles 2. You'll hear it as a triple double or a triple twisting double tuck or any of those kind of combinations. Yeah, apparently some people call it the Big Biles, which is wild to me, and I've never heard that before, so... I've never heard that. This is brand new information. It's on... I was looking up um, 
notation for the skills, you know, like the twisty notation for the skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll talk about notation eventually as well. But uh, in gymnastics, when the judges are writing down the skills that you do, they do a system of lines, uh, swiggles and dashes in order to notate what skills you're doing. And I was looking up what the notation for the triple double is. And it said the big vials instead of the vials too. So I was like really confused. Huh, I've literally never heard of that. Yeah, no, we call it the Biles 2. Yeah, I call it the Biles 2 or the Triple Dub or the Trip Dub. Yep. Yeah, and it's assumed that it's tucked because she hasn't done it laid out, but like I wouldn't right. put it past her at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Now this leads us into talking about the timing of twists. Half in, half out, full in, full out, etc. All of these are ways of describing the timing of twists during skills with multiple saltos. The best way to demonstrate or explain this, in my opinion, is through the example of a full twisting double tuck. It can be a full in, which is when the gymnast completes a full twist during the first of the two saltos, or a full out, when a gymnast competes the full twist during the second of the two saltos, or what is called a half in, half out, meaning the gymnast performs half a twist during each salto. And yeah, shout out to the Half In, Half Out podcast with Blake and Kino. They're the only gymnastics podcast dedicated to all things LGBTQIA plus in the sport. So go ahead and give them a follow and a listen. Yeah, we love Blake and Kino. So please go check them out and follow them on Twitter and support them. So again, the full twisting double tuck. I guess it's, I guess the choice of when you twist is just a difference in technique and not a difference in difficulty. I'm not entirely sure about that, but For other skills, the timing of the twist does and can correlate with what that skill is worth in terms of difficulty score, if that makes sense. But don't worry if it doesn't. We'll talk about difficulty scores in the near future as well. It's also relevant to mention at this point that single saltos can have multiple twists. You may have seen some people refer to a skill as a triple full or a double full. A triple full is just a triple twisting single salto, and a double full would be a double twisting single salto. The gymnast would twist two or three times around the axis of their spine, but they only rotate once around their hips, which is where that full comes from in triple full or double full. So I know that's a little confusing. These skills can just be referred to as a triple or a double, and you'll also see them as tumbling passes on floor, as dismounts on beam, or sometimes on fault, and rarely on bars. Right, like you said, those kind of dismounts off of bars are sadly rare, but they are possible. We just don't see them that often. So I want to give a quick shout out to Jennifer Icapelli, who is at Jennifer Carolyn on Twitter. She wrote an incredible book called Break the Fall, and the main character of that book has that dismount off of bars. So if you haven't read that book or followed her on social media, please do so. Side note, if you've ever watched gymnastics, you may have noticed the word Arabian thrown around. Arabians are a unique type of salto that starts backwards, but then very shortly after takeoff, the gymnast does a half twist and the flip is then considered a forward salto. Well, it's considered forward salto in women's gymnastics. I could be wrong, but I believe Arabians are still considered backward saltos in men's gymnastics. Which is confusing to me because I've always considered them in my head to be backwards elements. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think in men's gymnastics, and again, I could absolutely be wrong about this, but I think men's gymnastics, I think men's gymnastics, the designation is based off of your takeoff and not your landing. Whereas in women's gymnastics, I believe it's based off of your landing and not your takeoff. Well, but if that were true, then the Biles would be, the Biles one would be considered a forward pass and it's not. Oh, you're right. So that's... 
like that that was what I originally thought too. It was just inconsistent. I guess that's the confusion. So I've always thought of Arabians as a backwards skill because the takeoff is backwards. But then you watch something like a Dos Santos too, where they're completely laid out for two full saltos, yeah. and you realize that that kind of is a forward skill, you know? Right, right. So I kind of, I understand where both sides are coming from on that argument. Yeah. So if any of y'all know what that's about with the, the differentiation between men's and women's gymnastics, you please feel free to reach out to us because we would love to be able to talk about it. And why it's called an Arabian. Like, yes, that too. I, I'm telling you, I researched this for hours. I almost bought a book that like tantalizingly promised to have the reason why Arabians are called Arabians. And I checked out the comments and they were just like, he doesn't say it. And I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't buy this book. Yeah. Um, I didn't do any research on it, but uh, I trust you. Again, if you if you know, please reach out to us. If there's like this one thing on Google that like just has the answer right there and I managed to just completely miss over it, then I, I, I don't know. But I, I spent a long time trying to get an answer to this because I, I, I've, been, I've been wondering it for years. Yeah, me too. But that's another thing about the gym internet in general is that because the sport is so much smaller than many other large sports – a lot of our answers are not easily Google, like searchable. They're not easily found on Google. So for a lot of us, we ask the rest of the Gymtronet for the answers and the Gymtronet gives us the answers back. Um, we are our, ho- our own historians, essentially. So that's why we often ask for that either on Twitter or on the podcast, or you'll see other folks asking the Gymtronet for the answer because, um, you know, it's really hard to find it on Google sometimes. My um, boyfriend talks about this website called Baseball Savant all the time. And I just wish that we had something like that for gymnastics where it talks about every single player and every single stat that they've ever had. And like if we had something for gymnastics like that, it would be so cool. But it's like a multi-person, multi-organizational kind of thing. And it's just like the dedication to the yeah. sport is just not there yet globally. So things like that just aren't right. there. Right. Right, there are individuals that are that, de- that dedicated, but building a system like that requires a lot of manpower, a lot of time, and it's just, it's unless we get a lot of people involved, it's going to be really difficult to do. So yeah, we're just we're just hoping to be one more resource on the Gymternet for you guys and for people to get more information about the skills and have things written down. Because I know there wasn't one clear place where it was written down what a salto was, so it took me like a year to get like a definition that I was comfortable with. Right. If you're looking for examples of really pretty Arabian skills, Aliyah Finnegan's, her Tox Double Arabian on floor, is gorgeous. Absolutely incredibly gorgeous. So well executed. And Chelsea Memo is also really well known for her Arabian skills. She's trying to um, do a piped Arabian on beam, which I don't think has ever been performed in international competition before. It has not. So if she performs it, it would be named after her. And she already does Arabian backflip on beam and that she just nails perfectly every time and she can do every arabian variation on floor which means that she does it in the tucked piked and laid out positions yeah so she's just amazing definitely yes we'll also probably cover execution in a different episode like we're going to cover difficulty scores but timing is very important in arabian skills 
Uh, it's common for gymnasts to rush their twists or start twisting early, like right as they punch or right before they punch or immediately after. And this can lead to various execution errors and some very interesting looking irradians. Like some people almost look like they're flipping sideways in like those old school vaults where they're just like flipping over like the weirdest axis of their body that yeah. you've ever seen. And it just like it looks like ugly, I guess. And it just like you can tell that something is just not quite right in the air. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I would say ugly, but it definitely doesn't look the way that we are used to seeing a flip look nowadays in modern day gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. Ugly is probably the wrong word there. Just just like awkward. <laughs> You're good. Also, uh, if a gymnast twists too late, the skill won't be credited as an Arabian or front salto. This ties directly into why a laid out double Arabian and a Biles one, which is um, a double layout with a half twist at the very end, are two different skills with two different difficulty scores. Even though they both consist of the same elements, they're two different skills. So yeah, they're both two laid out flips and they both have half a twist. But in a Dos Santos 2, it would be a half twist right at the beginning, right after the gymnast punches off the floor. And in a Biles 1, the way that Simone Biles performs it, she doesn't do uh, her half twist until she has already started her second salto and it's really just like the last split second of her entire skill that she's even facing the other direction right she twists very late yeah and if you want to really know what the difference is because i know when we're just talking about it's really hard to visualize it we're gonna have slow down versions on our website and you'll be able to watch those and have a better explanation of that on the website simplysaltos.com and again if you know why these skills are called arabians please let us know yep because again i did so much research on this I spent like so much of my script energy went into Arabians and it's like most of it's just me complaining at this point yeah yeah so talking about adding twists and adding flips and stuff to our different saltos that's also where the difficulty and different levels of difficulty in gymnastics can come into play each flip and each twist requires more speed more power and more control to perform accurately and with good execution so the higher number of each the more difficult the skill is valued. It's really hard to gain momentum for forward saltos, so they're considered more difficult than backward saltos. So a double twisting forward salto is considered more difficult than a double twisting backward salto. Yes. Do you mean a double twisting, like a, a double full forward versus a double full backwards? Yes, I do. I thought yeah. you meant like a double double forward, and I was like, um, <laughs> is that possible? No. Right, like... Like, a double full forward is, like, considered, like, a pretty difficult pass, but, like, a double full back is usually, like, a placeholder pass for, like, higher-level competitions. Right, right. Isn't the Maldonado the triple full forward? Yes. That was recently performed by, I believe it's Andrea Maldonado? I don't know which one off the top of my head. There's two Maldonado sisters. I believe it's Andrea Maldonado, and if it's not, I'm very, very sorry. Actually, you know what? We should look it up right now, because I don't want to get this wrong. I was correct. It is Andrea Maldonado. Okay, so quick recap. A tuck is the simplest form of a salto. A back tuck is easier than a front tuck. Saltos with twists are more difficult than saltos without twists. Saltos performed in a pike are more difficult than saltos that are tucked. And laid out saltos are more difficult than piked saltos. So a triple double is more difficult than a double double. And a double double is more difficult than a full twisting double. 
so yeah, if you put all these factors together in different combinations, that's how we end up getting the dozens of different skills that have been performed by gymnasts across the centuries, across the decades, really, not centuries. Across the centuries. So yeah, hopefully that clears up some recurring terms that you've heard or encountered throughout your exploration of the sport. Or if you've just started out, hopefully when you're hearing commentating or reading anything, you're like, oh, I know what that is now. And you'll be ready to learn even more terminology because it's all just based off of these beginning terms. Right. And again, we're going to say this over and over again. If you still want more clarification on any of this, please feel free to reach out to us. We are more than happy to do so. Yeah. If we need a whole nother segment, just talking about the differences between a pike or a layout or a tuck and a pike, like we'll do it. Like that, that's what we're here for. And that's what we want to do. Absolutely. And with that, let's flip on over to the last segment. Ha ha ha. Punny. Yeah, I love puns, and you're going to hear a lot of them. Get used to it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, this last segment, This Week in Feedback. This part of the show is dedicated to you, our listeners, and followers. So every episode, we'll try to go over any feedback we've received, any concerns that you've raised, and or try to answer a few quick questions that y'all have submitted using our anonymous form or through email, DMs, etc., etc., Even though it's only our first episode, we've already gotten quite a few responses on our anonymous feedback form. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. And first, there was an anonymous submission asking us to cover the, quote, awfulness of almost all NBC commentators. Yeah, and honestly, same, same. I have definitely got some things to say. I have more than some things. I have a whole book. But yeah, this is definitely something we want to address at some point, and we're still planning future episodes, but it's on our topic list. It's going to be one of the first ones when we run out of the basics that we're planning and stuff like that. We're going to be talking a lot about the problematic nature of gymnastics coverage on the whole, and particularly in the U.S. and on NBC. Right. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this topic. The fat phobia, the ageism, the racism, the cringe factor. <laughs> how they forced narratives, how they covered up abuse, all of these things, the list goes on. And we definitely need to dedicate a decent chunk of time just for talking about those things and providing examples. Yeah. And we're not going to, we're not trying to do it to like call them out or like be mean or anything like that, but really just say like, this is how you raised a whole generation of people to believe that this is what gymnastics was. And it's really like unhealthy for the sport and is not doing anything to bring us forward. Right. We will get into that more, I promise. Just not today. But thank you again for your submission and we have definitely added it to the list. Next, someone asked why a Takacha Van Bars is called a Takacha Van Bars. Yeah, I'm gonna let you take this one because you're a resident gymnastics historian. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm actually worse at history and better at like technical stuff but if you want to call me the resident historian i'll take that title technically a takachev on bars either horizontal bar for men's gymnastics or uneven bars for women's gymnastics is called a reverse hect which means that you're flying backwards over the bar that's what a hect means over the bar and reverse means backwards it was named takachev after the first man to do it in the 1970s and his name is alexander takachev and since that rolls off the tongue somehow better than reverse hecht, people kind of just started calling it Takachev instead. And when women became more acrobatic on the bars in the late later 70s and 80s, the name was kind of just borrowed from men's gymnastics. The first woman to compete it in 1980 was Elena Davidova, 
definitely pronounced that wrong. And technically, it is named after her, that first woman to do a Takachev on bars, but no one calls it that. They're all just called Takachevs and now Takachev variations for when you have different entries and different ways to fly over the bar. Right. I want to throw this in here really quick. We haven't talked about this yet, but we also want to make it clear that we're calling it women's and men's gymnastics because that's what the federations call it. We are incredibly supportive of gender expansive gymnastics and anyone of any gender doing whatever events they want to um, and allowing anyone of any gender to do whatever events they want to on an international competition level. But we do use the placeholders of WAG, women's gymnastics, MAG, men's gymnastics, because that's what it is commonly referred to. And going along with that, if you want to learn more about gender-inclusive, gender-expansive gymnastics, gender-neutral gymnastics, and the inclusion of trans and non-binary folks in gymnastics, definitely make sure you check out Half In, Half Out, the gymnastics podcast that is LGBTQIA plus focused, because they talk about this a lot and it's incredibly important. Um, But we just want to make sure that that is clear, that we support anyone of any gender doing whatever they want to, and uh, the fig needs to catch up. And honestly, on that note, like, I've seen plenty of videos of men doing gymnastics on the beam, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Heath Thorpe does it all the time, and a bunch of other guys do it. Like, they're always like, I'm channeling my inner Nadia or whatever all the time. I think it's amazing, and honestly, it, it kind of just gives me, like, a get good kind of attitude to the men. Like, if you were good at gymnastics, you could do it on a beam. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure that it's not illegal for men to have floor music. I think you men can have floor music. And they just don't? And they just don't. I think so. What a mistake. I could be wrong. I think they talked about this on ha- uh, on Hi-Ho, on Half and Half Out. But I think that they can have music. And I think actually Heath in his interview said that he was- I was just about to say, someone needs to talk to Heath. I think I think Heath said, I could be wrong. I'll have to double check, re-listen to the episode and update you in the next episode. But I think that Heath said that he might- he might mess around with that for his final his final elite competition. Which, if you if that's true, Heath, please do it. We would love that. That would be incredible. If any of you don't know, Heath Thorpe is a mag gymnast from Australia, and he's actually quite active on the gym internet on Twitter. So a lot of us are lucky to interact with him, and he posts a lot of funny videos. He likes to refer to a lot of the skills that he performs by the women's title yeah. instead of the men's. Yeah. So like. Like on the vault, he calls it an aminar. I don't even know what it's called on in men's. I have no idea. But he calls it an aminar. Or like when he does like a certain release on bars, he calls it a Delchev or a Markalov. Like it's hilarious. Yeah. He is also best friends with one of our faves, Morgan Hurd. Love her. We love her. For those of you who don't know, Morgan Hurd is a U.S. gymnast who won the 2017 World All-Around title, who competes in glasses. Shout out to the Glasses Club. I'm one of you. And she really likes Harry Potter. Yes, she does. She is also a book nerd. And if you are curious about more about Morgan and her journey, she was involved in the All Around series on the Olympic Channel that you can go onto YouTube and check out. Oh, which was just a fantastic before the pandemic happened. And we actually had a chance to speak with the producer of that show. We actually met him and had like a watch meet with him once. That was, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, he got to tell us a whole bunch about, like, production and, like, how that was working and stuff. Yeah, it was really cool. That was, like, in February of the pandemic. So he was telling us, like, how they were handling it with Chen Yui and how they were doing all those things. And we were just like, oh, my gosh, that sounds terrible. I wonder what, like, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah, and we didn't know. We had no idea. (laughs) We didn't know. We had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. 
That was that felt like a million years ago. It does. It feels like a million years ago. It really does. Okay. Our next submission was, quote, what is your favorite event to watch? Mine is bars because my attention span is too short for beam and floor, but slightly longer than vault. <laughs> I love this question. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, like, they asked and then they're like, oh, by the way, mine is bars because I, I can't pay attention to anything else. So we answered a bit about our favorite events in the intro episode called Welcome to Simply Saltos, but we can also do a quick refresher right now. Personally, my favorite event is Beam, but it's very closely followed by Bars. To be honest, they might actually be tied in my brain. I really, really love watching Beam for Connections and the absolute victory that you feel for an athlete when they nail that Beam set and like watching Angry Beam. Angry Beam is the best. Angry Beam! If anyone doesn't know, Angry Beam is when a gymnast is mad because of how something in a competition went. So they're just really angry. And instead of being really scared on beam, they're just like mad at the world and mad at everything. And they just like nail every skill and it's super powerful and it's super like direct. Pounding. Yeah. You can like hear beam sounds. I know you love beam sounds. Yeah. I love beam sounds. They're so satisfying. We'll have to find an example of angry beam because it's unmatched. And honestly, me watching Allie's beam routines, satisfaction of those beam sounds also unmatched. Yeah. Like speaking of beam sounds, Beam is my second favorite event. And when I went to see the American Cup right before the pandemic too, actually, um, I saw Ellie Black doing Beam and she is just, she's got the loudest Beam in the entire world. And you can tell like, like through the TV that like she's just, she's smacking that Beam with her feet. We had seats right in front of the Beam and I heard her warming up and I was just like, do you hear that? Do you hear that? Like, oh, it was just amazing. It's a dream of mine to see Ellie Black compete Beam live. Compete in general live, but like specifically Beam live. The whole competition, like watching her vault and everything was so cool, but like her Beam just right in front of my eyes, just smack. And like somehow it's louder from 20 feet away than it is like on a TV mic. Right. I was more than 20 feet, but yeah. Watching gymnastics live is so different than watching it on a screen. Mm-hmm. Completely different. Yeah, watching gymnastics live is just an experience into an, and of itself, but don't feel like you're a bad gym fan if you haven't gotten around to it or if you haven't been able to afford it or anything like that. I became a gym fan in 2015. I didn't go to my first competition until 2019. I didn't see any gymnastics, high school or otherwise, live in front of me until 2019. So really like, don't feel bad about yourself. Like that's what the internet is for. Yeah, absolutely. And I have only seen one gym meet live. I saw the 20... 20- 17 American Cup and the only reason I was able to see it live because it was outside of the suburbs of Chicago and somebody on Tumblr gave me their ticket for free um so that was literally the only reason I was able to go uh which shout out to that person I cannot find who they are like if you are out there and you gave some random chick in 2017 your your ticket to the American Cup um, I would like to say thank you because it was a life-defining experience. Oh, wait, no, it was the 2018 mm. American Cup, not 2017, because Morgan Herb was already the world champion. Oh, right. Yeah, see, my first competition was the 2019 American Cup, and my sister, we don't, we didn't, it was in North Carolina, and we don't live anywhere near there, but my sister found out about it, and it was the weekend of my birthday, and she was just like, um, this is your birthday present, and I was like, um, okay, um, so she flew me out to North Carolina, and we stayed in an Airbnb, and it ended up being, like, our first trip alone together and stuff, and she doesn't even like gymnastics, and she just did it for me, because it was my birthday, and it was, like, one of the best weekends of my life. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Do you have tickets to trials? No, I, 
I ended up not deciding not to because of just like the money and I was just like I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able yeah. to get down there yeah it's expensive yeah. I have tickets to trials um but obviously things are kind of in limbo with COVID we don't really know what's gonna happen yeah I all right I need to talk about this really quick because it makes me very sad what? Uh, so I know everybody in general was really excited to go to trials and a lot of the Twitter gym to net bought tickets. I started watching gymnastics like religiously in 2015. Mm -hmm. And so in 2016, I sat down and watched Simone Biles win all around gold and Allie win silver. And I said to myself in that moment, I was like, no matter what happens in four years time, when 2020 trials come around, no matter what happens, I'm going. No matter what. I've been planning to go see Simone Biles live since 2016. And I didn't go to any other major international competitions where she was competing because I was like, I'll see her in 2020. I got to see her once. I decided last minute to, to go to classics because it was an easier drive than any other competition during that time. And so I got to see Simone do her vault because we were by vault for that meet. She just, she flies. She's just amazing. And she's just, she was just so bubbly and chill. Like you don't get to see a lot. I know like NBC follows her around a lot and you get to see how she is, but like she is aware when cameras are and aren't off on her and stuff. Of course. So like you can see how she like really is when people aren't watching her and stuff. And she's just like, she just clearly like enjoys this sport and just wants to do her best and stuff. And I just, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm very sad that I might not get to see her. And I know that's very selfish. And I absolutely would rather everybody be safe and pick, take precautions than me get to see Simone Biles live. However, if I do not get to see her compete live before I die, I will be very sad. You might just die. I might die. <laughs> like if she retires and you haven't seen her, you'd be like, no! Right. It's like how I kept saying, oh, I'll see Paramore live eventually. Eventually. Mm. I had all those opportunities to see Paramore live. And now they're they're not together anymore. Right. They're supposed to eventually maybe get back together, but they're not together anymore. Can't cross that off my bucket list. Yeah, see, I can. And I, I dragged my boyfriend and my best friend with him. My thing was like, you're going to get to see Simone compete live. Like any person, no matter if they care about gymnastics or not, they'll they'll appreciate that and they'll understand yeah. why that's so important and they they did and they they maybe were on their phones for the rest of the time but when Simone was on an apparatus they were watching and yeah I think that says something you know yeah that's awesome sorry I distracted us so going back to what the our submission question was my favorite event is the uneven bars because the event is just non-stop and can be both the height of elegance and full of power at the same time. The gymnast is flying and the lines of their bodies always look so good, no matter the angle, no matter the skill. When I watch gymnastics in person, like we were talking about, I can see just how high the releases on bars go and I'm just in awe. Because on TV, two feet doesn't seem like that much when they're flying, but in person, you can see how much two feet is off the bar. You can see how high they are in the air. And on top of it, I really like how connected it is, how it's just like, it's skill after skill after skill, even if like the skills aren't technically connected together, it's still you're always moving, you're never stopping. And then when you do stop, it's like perfect handstands and it's just perfect form and lines. I really like connections like you see in Nina Durwile's routine or Suni Lee's routine because it's just full of connections and releases and 
they make it look so easy when it's not. And like, I can't even do a pull up most days. And, <laughs> and they're sitting there doing a release to the low bar and then back up to the high bar and then another release and then back down to the low bar and then back up. And it's just like, how are they, do, can you breathe while you're doing that? Can you do anything while you're doing that other than like focus on grabbing the bar? The positions they put their body in, like it looks so easy for them, effortless, like when they're doing it, but they are putting their bodies like in the craziest positions and then swinging around a bar. Yeah, they're like dislocating their shoulders on the bar. And like, that's just part of the skill. Yeah, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. So like stuff like that, I just, I'm just in awe by, by what they can do and how and again, how easy they make it look. Because in the, that's the whole point is making insane stuff look like they can do it in their sleep. So our next question is, someone asked, what got us into loving gymnastics in the first place? And what is the reason that we stuck with it? And we sort of went into this as well in our introductory episode, but we can go in into, into it a little more in depth here. Um, in my family, we're really big on watching the Olympics when they're on. So... The most popular Olympic events, which are swimming and gymnastics and others, were always on the TV in my house when the Olympics were happening. And I remember in 08, I was 12 in 08, um, I remember seeing Sean Johnson on the beam in that blue and red Leo during beam finals and just being in awe and thinking like, wow, I want to do that. Um, and that's actually what ended up kickstarting me into wanting to like take tumbling. I think that's when I fell in love with how cool gymnastics is. But in terms of becoming a regular fan, in 2012, my brother was dating this really awesome girl who was a former gymnastics coach, and she invited me over to watch every one of the gymnastics meets leading up to the 2012 Olympics, so classics and nationals and uh, trials and then the Olympics, and explained the basics to me when I had questions. From there, I was just hooked, and I loved Allie, so when I heard she was making a comeback in 2015, I decided to start following it more closely. And in 2017, I learned that Amelia Hunley, another one of my faves, was going to Florida to compete in NCAA, and I decided to watch that too. So since then, I've just watched it more and more and more, and now it's my favorite sport. Yeah, and I actually have like a very similar story, almost exactly the same timeline and stuff too. My family, we watched gymnastics really only during the Olympics. We went to summer camp for a lot of the time, so I missed a lot of the Olympics. So I only saw like the highlights of stuff a lot of the time. And in 2012, I didn't really get to watch much of the meets because I was in camp, but I got to see that I, I found out that Gabby Douglas made history as the first black women to win all around gold. And I thought that was like really cool. And I was also like shocked that it hadn't happened before, but I was just really impressed. And I also saw that Allie Raceman was on the team and she got a gold medal on floor as well. And she was Jewish like me. And I was just like, well, that that's amazing. That's awesome. And like my camp made a big deal out of her and stuff. And we just, it was just really cool. So in 2015, I saw in just like this random YouTube recommendation that they were both attempting comebacks. And I really kind of just, I wanted to see how they were doing. I wanted to see what that would entail. Like, does, I don't know. I didn't know how gymnastics worked. So I didn't know if retirement really was that difficult or like coming back and training again, like how, how difficult it would really be. And so I started to pay attention more and more. And I started to watch competitions and replays and stuff just so I could understand what I was watching eventually by the time 2016 trials came around I was literally in tears when Gabby fell off that beam oh and, god oh and I was I, I was I was having a sleepover with my friend and I was just like, we got to turn this on trials are on and she was like okay why do you care and I was just like I care and I didn't and this is before I told anyone that I cared so I was just like we're watching trials and she's watching me like start crying 
when yeah. Gabby Douglas fell off the beam. And then, like, everyone was following one of the nights, and it was just, like, really bad overall. And I was just, like, stressed. And I was just like, this is so terrible. Oh, my God. And I realized that I was, like, no longer a quote-unquote casual fan. Right. And after that, after Rio and everything like that, I just had to keep watching more and more because I wanted to know what was going on more and more. And then you watch competitions, and then you look up with you look up the name of something or you look up a term and then you start watching compilation videos and all of, a sudden you're, all of a sudden you're starting a podcast. Yeah, right. For real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Lastly, a very kind soul wrote, quote, every podcast should have an anonymous feedback form and I'm very glad you do. And to whomever you are, we want to truly thank you for submitting this. It means a lot. Like, yeah, we talked about doing an anonymous submission form for quite some time when we were discussing the podcast and deciding to announce, but we were kind of worried that you guys weren't going to use it, but we just figured it should be there just in case. And you guys did, so that was really exciting. Right, yeah. I was really worried that it wouldn't get used, but I worry about everything. So, um, but seriously, that feedback is greatly appreciated. I personally listen to a lot of podcasts, and I often feel like I want to send in feedback, but don't always feel comfortable doing it publicly over Twitter or with identifying information. So I'm really glad that we can provide something to bridge that sort of creator-listener divide. Of course, you can always DM us on Twitter or just add us or whatever and stuff like that. But if you want something to be anonymous, like the form is the best way to do that. We'll respond to any feedback that you give us, whether it's your name or not. We'll never say your name on the show unless you ask us to. Right. We're just going to keep everyone from being embarrassed for not knowing something and keeping yourself safe from being called out or anything like that. Right, exactly. All right, so before we wrap up this episode, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to the women's gymnastics team at the University of Alaska in Anchorage. The team is in danger of being eliminated from the sports program altogether at the university, and they're sending out an all-points bulletin to the rest of the gymnastics community to help raise enough money to keep this program alive. Every NCAA gymnastics program is important, and unfortunately, we've seen too many schools cut their gym programs during this pandemic. We want to do everything that we can to help support the team and save their program so they are looking for donations and or pledges until they raise eight hundred and eighty eight thousand dollars they need at least half of that in donations and half in pledges by february 15th 2021 so you can donate to their gofundme and find the links to support them and make a pledge at charity.gofundme.com slash o slash en slash campaign slash save UAA gymnastics, or there will be a link on our website as well. And we understand that things are really tough right now with the pandemic. So if you aren't able to donate, please share the link with those in your circles and on social media. Yeah. And also in the future, we're going to try and have someone from the UAA gymnastics team come on the show, tell us a little bit about the gymnastics program and their fundraising goals and how things are going so far. Saving this program is going to take the whole gym internet. So please support and share however you can. So until they raise enough money or reach the deadline, we'll be making this announcement on the show every episode. And we'll also have the link to donate up on our website. All right, Katie, I think our first full episode went pretty well. What about you? Yeah, I think so too. We've been planning this for so long and I had no idea if it was actually going to work out. I mean, yeah, I just, I've, I've had so many thoughts in my head and we've been texting just nonstop for about a month at this point about it. Yeah. And finally, we're just, we're here and we're going to be ready soon. And yeah, it's exciting. It's very exciting. It's a little nerve wracking, but it's very exciting. I'm just really happy. I'm so glad we're doing this. And I hope, 
I hope that people enjoy it. Even if we get like two listeners, I will I will make this for the two of them. I will make yeah. it for myself. Absolutely. We're doing this for fun. I'm mostly doing this for myself at this point. Yeah, honestly, same. <laughs> and you too, I guess. Oh, yeah, you too. <laughs> yeah, so if you guys have any questions about what we discussed in this episode, please feel free to let us know in our anonymous forum, Twitter DMs, Twitter mentions, any of that. And it, you can also just go on our website, simplysaltos.com. Also, look out for our next episode called What the Heck is the Gymtronet? Available in two weeks. This has been Simply Saltos with Katie and Talia. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.